Glory to God. Turn with your Bibles, please, to the book of Exodus chapter 15. Book of Exodus chapter 15. I want to share the word of God, and then we're just going to open it up, let the spirit of God fall. Hallelujah. I want to thank this church, and most of all, dear pastor. We've only just met, but I know our hearts are of the same spirit. I want to say I've so enjoyed, and my team, my wife, Nathan, Lydia, we've loved being here. And just to feel the glory of God sweeping this place yesterday was something we love to see. And I want to thank you for welcoming me and, and allowing me to minister to you. It's been a great privilege. And I do pray that we'll be back, that we can start to see God really do something mighty and awesome. You know... God can do great things in two services, but if you want to see something break, we need to do a run of services where God can break something open. Can you shout amen? I'm going to be reading from Exodus 15 verse 22, but then I'm going to be going to 1 Corinthians 10. I'm going to speak to you on a message that I call overthrown. And then we're just going to let the Lord come and do whatever he wants to do. Those of you that are sick, I want to pray for you this morning. Please don't leave without prayer. How many want an impartation this morning of the fire of God? Can you shout amen? amen. Exodus 15 verse 22 says this, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses saying, what should we drink? So he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. When he had cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an audience for them, an ordinance for them. And there he tested them. Everyone say tested. And said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Can you shout amen? Then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 10. This is Paul writing to the church of Corinth. A church that was known to be in revival. The church was seeing an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. But at the same time, there was issues arising. When God begins to move in, in churches, in, in communities, in areas, the first things that happens is everything, all the issues, all the divisions rise to the top. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Can someone say amen? But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. I want to read that again. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks, thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except, except as such is common to man. 
But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may also may be able to bear it. Can someone shout amen? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to every heart. Lord, as you have done over these last two services, Lord, even as I preach your word, let the fire of God fill every heart. Let the anointing of God rain down. Lord, we pray for signs and wonders. I speak that this is holy ground in Jesus' mighty name. I want to preach to you a message that I call overthrown. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And he's writing and pointing to a generation that had been before. He wrote to the church of Corinth and he said, I'm writing this for your admonition. I'm writing this as an authoritative counsel to you. As somebody that spiritually has birthed you and brought you and God is pouring out his spirit. I'm warning you. Do not be like that former generation. Do not be like the generation that came before. He said, remember that former generation of Israelites that were led into the wilderness. That God led them. He led them. He set them free. He liberated them, but then led them into a wilderness. Can I tell you, church, wildernesses are godly places. I know we don't like to go through them, but if you want to see the glory of God in your life, be prepared for the wilderness encounters. Oh, I know people might not shout amen this morning, but I pray you will. Paul said, remember how God led them out by the cloud. Remember how he led them out of Egypt through the water and the blood. Remember how they were baptized by Moses. You see, the Old Testament is a foreshadow, a typology of the New Testament. The cloud represents the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but I live under the cloud of the Spirit of God day and night. The Spirit of God living, dwelling in me. I want to tell you right now, you can't live this life without the Holy Ghost. You can't do what God has called us to do without the cloud of God's Spirit being upon your life. Can you shout amen? Remember how God led them. The exodus through the water, which represents water baptism. It also represents the washing of the blood of the Lamb. But the Bible says, Paul writes to them and says, they failed on their way. As God was leading them, as God was leading them to a place where he would pour out his goodness upon their lives, many of them failed on their way because they would not mature. They were locked into infanthood. They would not mature. God had so much for their lives. He wanted to give them a place, a land flowing with milk and honey, a place that we call revival. And yet many of them died in a wilderness. They wouldn't mature. See, the Bible says in verse 5 that they were overthrown. Oh, how the enemy has sought to overthrow the body of Christ from its true destiny. How many times do I hear of churches that are having moves of God and in two years, months later, they're overthrown from that destiny. Divided. Bitterness. Complaining. People fighting for power. 
And what they don't realize is that the enemy has overthrown them from the destiny that God had for them. You see, I want to tell you, many, many times, wilderness encounters will follow great, great encounters with the Holy Ghost. I know that sounds strange, but I promise you it's truth. You see, in your life, the enemy seeks to overthrow you. That means to be removed from a place of power. Many times we can go to church, we can sing the songs, but there are times in our lives where the enemy seeks to overthrow you from the place that God has ordained for your life. See, one thing I want you to see, God did not put them into a wilderness experience to defeat them. He put them into a wilderness experience to empower them. You see, if you will allow God to take you through the process, he will devil-proof you in Jesus' mighty name. God did not intend the wilderness to defeat them. He intended the wilderness to mature them. Wildernesses are places of nothingness to us. And yet God seems to allow these wildernesses to bring out of you his likeness. You know, people always say to me, evangelist, I want a double portion of the Holy Ghost. I want a double portion of that anointing on your life. Sometimes I want to take them aside, slap them up the side of the head and say, what are you talking about? You're not even using what you've got. You've left more churches than you've been in. Every time the enemy comes to attack you, you throw in the towel and you got the, you got the Marty's on with God. Let me tell you right now, if God puts an anointing on your life, get ready. The enemy's coming to test you. God will allow you to go through times where you feel what is happening to my life. But in order for God to use you, he has to mature you, that you are ready to stand under the anointing that God places on your life. Can you shout amen? Is somebody getting something out of this? You see, God allows wilderness experiences to bring out of you his likeness. You know, the Bible says that John the Baptist, he came from the wilderness of Judea. You know, I typed that into Google. Google's a great place. I typed the wilderness of Judea into Google. Did you know that that's the lowest place on earth? Did you know that the wilderness of Judea for sea level is the lowest place on earth? Isn't that just like God? Isn't it just like God to take you to the lowest place in order to prepare you to come out of that wilderness crying out, prepare ye the way of the Lord. I wish we could learn things by everything we shout. I wish we could learn things by every time things are good. But many times the greatest work that God will do in your life is the lowest places you've ever been. It's the low places. You may have gone through a wilderness right now, but you better know this, that you will come through the other side. And when God brings you out, you'll be devil-proof to a level that you've never been before. I remember the wildernesses of my life, that when God took me through it, it pained me, it hurt me. I felt like, God, why is this happening? What is happening? But when I came out, I came out devil-proof. The next time I prayed for the sick, boom, something happened. The next time I rebuked the enemy, something began to take place. Oh, glory to God.
don't want to go through the encounters of people that God can never ever use. See, when God begins to move in your life, somebody once wrote to the ministry, they said, Evangelist, could you, could you back me up? I have a theology. I said, what is the theology? Well, I'm having a debate that when you are prayerless, you open yourself up to more attack. I thought about it. I thought, no. It doesn't open you up to more attack. There's more chance of you being defeated. But the more you pray, the more attack will come in your life. You see, I found this. The more you pray, the more the enemy knows your name. The more God does in your life, the more the enemy will seek to steal it from you. But when you're a praying man, when you're a man that's been through deep waters, that has been through wildernesses, where you've been tested by the enemy, they are the ones that stand therefore with their guards guarded with truth. They are the warriors that God takes into battle because they know what it is for to say the battle belongs to the Lord. Can you shout amen? Do we have a towel, a rag? You see, Jesus was empowered by his wilderness experience. I want you to see something. Jesus came out of his wilderness empowered and full of the Holy Ghost. It said he came out in the power of the Spirit. The Israelites, they came out of their wilderness experience and multitudes of them died, defeated, never gaining the promise that God had given to them. It wasn't that God never wanted to do it. It wasn't that God didn't have it for them, but he could not give them something the enemy could steal from them too easily. Oh, that's better preaching than how you're shouting. I want you to see something. Israel came out of Egypt and went into the wilderness. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan and then goes into the wilderness. John is anointed by God and goes into the wilderness. You see a pattern anywhere? Paul encounters the power of Jesus on Damascus Road. I'm talking about the light of glory, blinded by the glory. His life turned inside out. The power of God hit him so hard, it changed his name from Saul to Paul. That's how hard he was hit. When you get hit so hard by the power of God that he changes your name, you better know you've had an encounter with Jesus. But I want to show you something. Paul has an encounter on Damascus Road and goes into a wilderness for three and a half years. Galatians chapter 1 says this. And when I saw it, when it spoke to me, it changed my life. This is what Paul said in Galatians 1. This is where... The Father revealed His Son in me. I want you to see something. On Damascus Road, Jesus revealed Himself to Paul. But it was in the wilderness for three and a half years that Jesus revealed Himself in Paul. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. There are many that know about Jesus. But there are few who will allow his son, Jesus, the father, to be revealed in them. I know people all the time. They quote scripture. They can give you a scripture for anything. 
but there's no power in their lives. They pray for the sick because that's what they're supposed to do, but no miracles happen. You see, you can know about Jesus, but Jesus wants to reveal himself in you. And for him to reveal himself in you, you might have to go through a wilderness experience. Jesus was in a wilderness. And I want to tell you in a wilderness experience, not only is Satan there, but the Father is watching you. You see, the Bible says that Jesus made a worship decision in a wilderness experience. The Bible says that Jesus returned to Satan and he said to him, he responded to the word. He said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall thou worship. In a wilderness experience, you've got to make a worship decision. You've got to make a decision. No going back. No matter whether I go through hell or high water, there's no going back. When me and my, my wife were married, my wife had a shock. She said, baby, she said, no matter what you try and do, it's like you're fought every tooth and nail. She said, it's like there's chaos going on all the time. I'd grown used to it. And it took my wife, who was fresh, into the ministry to point it out to me. But I started to realize that Jesus said the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by, take it by. My entire life, since being born, growing up in church, Going away from God, coming back to Jesus. When God, the fire of God got a hold of my life, the Lord began to take me through deep waters. But I saw great and mighty things. But all my life I've met pew fillers that critique me, that tell me how to have revival, that tell me that I preach wrong, that I shout too much, that I sweat too much. That I'm somebody that, yeah, you, you're going to learn a lot of things. But I want to tell you something right now. Don't ever judge a book by its cover. Don't ever think that God is using somebody and it just happened to them overnight. That's not the way God does it. I want to say to you right now, there are people sat in these pews today. They've been through some stuff. They've been through tests. They've been through trials. The enemy has come to steal from them. And they sit here and stand here as testimonies that God never let you go. He was with you. He brought you through. Through a wilderness experience, you can cry, great is thy faithfulness. My Lord, glory to God. Glory to God. That's why Paul said, I'm knocked down, but I ain't knocked out. Devil, you're going to have to kill me because every time God's going to raise me back up. Oh, somebody shout, amen. See, I want to show you something. Are you getting something out of this? When a church decides there's no going back. When a church decides that they're going to stand for revival, whether people leave, whether people backbite, whether people say they're crazy, whether they condemn you and say this church is over, when you decide to make a worship decision and it's pure and it's holy and you feel like people, the enemy is coming to drown you and to take you out, if you will stand and make that decision and never go back, three things will happen. Three things happen to the Savior. Firstly, the devil left him.
Secondly, angels came and ministered unto him. Thirdly, he came out of that encounter filled with the Holy Ghost and might. He was more powerful coming out of that wilderness than when he went in. It says he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, glory. Glory. My God, my God, my God. Woo! See, the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. Whoa. Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. That's not a gospel we preach in the U.S. anymore, huh? That's not a gospel that people holler and shout at. If I told people they're going to have mansions or how many want the anointing right now, they queue up. If we called out for the anointing of suffering, I wonder how many would come. There's a mighty anointing here to suffer for Jesus. Come on right now, people are like, Jesus, help me. Do I want that? I wish we could learn things by things we shout. You see, it was in the wilderness that God taught his people to make a habitation for his glory. I want to speak to this church. I don't know much of what's gone on, but I know that you've gone through some troubled times. I know people may have left you, spoken about you. I know that you may feel like what is happening right now. But you better take it as a sign that God is going to move in this place. He will pour out His Spirit. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. I got to skip a lot of this out this morning. Because we just want to let the Spirit of God fall. But you see, the children of Israel found themselves in a wilderness for three days without no water. And when God finally brings them to some water, they reach down and that water is bitter. Now listen to what I'm telling you. The water is bitter. Pastor didn't know I was going to do this this morning, but I'm going to do it anyway. You see, this pastor standing for revival. Anybody can see it. He's contending for it. He's crying for it. That's why God moved yesterday the way he did. That's why his glory was poured out. Because one of his servants is contending and leading the people into the glory. I thank God for this man of God. I thank God for his heart and his cry. Come on, give Jesus some praise. But you know what happened? Moses was leading them and now they come to some water and the water's bitter and they start to complain. They start to murmur. They start to say about Moses that he's no longer, how can he be a leader? How can he be a man of God? We hit a place and now the waters are bitter. They were nearly there but suddenly bitterness came to the people. And I'm telling you right now, there may have been people that have left. There may have been people that are backbiting and division. But don't let your heart become bitter. So you know what the first miracle that God was going to do in the wilderness? Do you know the first miracle that God was going to do in the wilderness? He said, take a tree and cast it in the water. God 
was going to use a symbol of the cross. You see, the first thing that God has to do is turn the bitter things and make them sweet again. You see, many times in revival, the first thing that revival does, it takes the bitter things and it heals them and it makes them sweet again. It makes an aroma that is an incense to God. If this morning you're in the house of God and you say there's bitterness, let the Holy Ghost make it sweet again. Can you shout amen? You know what I love? The Bible says in 1 Samuel 14, 6, that Samson was making his way down a trail and a lion came out. And Samson slew that lion bare hand. And the Bible says that as Samson was returning and he was walking up the same path, he looked at the lion and the very thing that came to destroy him, there was now honey in the lion that God would use to sustain him. You see, I want you to see something. There are many times the enemy will come to attack you he will come to do something in your life to destroy you. And when the fire of God falls, the very thing that the enemy intended to destroy you, God will turn it around and use that honey to sustain you for his glory. That's why the Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. This is blessing me anyway. There's things go on in revival, believe me, right now I'm telling you. But I've learned. I've learned. When I start crying out to God for more, what I'm really getting ready for is what I'm about to go through. Oh, I know we don't like to say that, but I promise you right now, there were times in the ministry that I would cry out. I would be fasting and praying and saying, God, open blind eyes. Open blind eyes. Give me souls. God, I want to see people emptied out of wheelchairs. And I would contend. And the more I contended, the more the enemy came to press me. The more he came and took me into that place where he began to test me and began to see whether I would respond and the Lord allowed people to talk about me and come against me and people that were close to me friends that had known me for years began to murmur about me began to speak against me suddenly even my family thought that I was a joke like what has happened to him and now God had to show me that if I wanted more then I needed to be able to endure more in all things giving praise to God it was a will wilderness experience that was going to prepare me for what God had for my life. Oh, that we might be ready for what God has for this church. I want to show you something and then I'm going to finish. In the wilderness, you need two things. The book of Hebrews 6.12 says, Through faith and patience, you inherit the promises of God. Through faith and patience. Did you know faith and patience are brothers in the kingdom? Did you know that? Watch this. Hebrews 6.12, faith and patience. 2 Thessalonians 1.4, faith and and patience. 1 Timothy 6.11, faith and patience. 2 Timothy 3.10, faith and patience. Titus 2, faith and patience. James 1.3, faith and patience. Revelation 1.9, faith and patience. You know what the word is God is saying? Don't quit. 
What the word is saying, what you've asked for, I will give you. Don't quit. Don't be overthrown. Don't let the enemy steal it now. You're so close. I know Pastor John Kilpatrick this morning. One of his great teachings is this. He says it to me all the time. You'll say, son, with every attack, get ready for the blessing. When Brownsville was about to break out, pastor lost his mother. And actually on Father's Day, he was ready. He didn't want to go. He was actually coming to the end of his ministry. He felt like he couldn't go on. And at the very moment he reached his end, he actually reached God's beginning. I said when he reached his end, he actually reached God's beginning. so much I can preach on this, but I ain't going to do it this morning. Let's begin to play. I'm going to pray with my brother who has cancer. I'm going to ask God to deliver him this morning, right now. But just before we do, just begin to play. We're going to let the glory of God just fill this house this morning. You know, I prayed for the fire of God to fall in this place. And many have been touched by the fire of God. You know, this morning, that same fire is going to come. Some of you, that wilderness is over. I need to tell some of you this morning, that wilderness is over. You're about to come out in the power of the Spirit. See, God finds you faithful. There are some of you this morning, you died in the wilderness years ago. You died in that wilderness. In 2 Kings chapter 4, you will read of the Shunammite woman. She made room for the anointing in her home. And when she did that anointing, brought her a son. And the Bible says that she took the son and she put him into the harvest fields. And the Bible says that the heat of the day beat down upon the boy and the boy collapsed and he died in the field. A promise that God had given that woman because she gave her life and made room for the presence of God in her home. That promise had died in a field. There are people in churches right now that you gave your all to God. God gave you promises. And the heat of the day began to beat upon you. The heat of resistance. The heat of the enemy began to beat upon your life. And you died in a field. You died in the harvest field. Do you know how many missionaries are dead in harvest fields around the world? Missionaries that went there to see God move and the enemy tried to take them out and they grew weary and the heat of the day beat upon them and the enemy tried to get them to quit and instead of quitting they just died right in the field and now they don't think of that promise anymore they just live to survive oh I'm preaching to somebody right now They're living to survive. One thing that woman did that blew my mind is she didn't weep, she didn't wail. She got that child. And she took that child back to the room that she prepared for the anointing. 
And the Bible says she laid that child on the bed. In other words, she took the promise back to the source of her encounter. There are ministers here this morning that I promise you, if you just bring your minister before the Lord and let his fire breathe upon it, you'll find that God does something that only he can do. See, the Bible says that the man of God laid on that dead child. He put his eyes on his eyes, his mouth on his mouth, his hands on his hands. See, there are people here this morning that this weekend, something's been awakened in your heart. That cry for revival, that it's not just a whimper anymore. The glory of God has begun to move and you're awakened. See, the Bible says that the child waxed warm. See, the fire of God this morning, he put his eyes on his eyes so the child will get his vision back. He put his mouth on his mouth so that the breath of God could bring life where there was death. He put his hands on that child's hands so the works of that child would come alive. That's what we need God to do. We need Him to give us fresh vision again. We need Him to breathe His breath of life. And all our works, the works that we're doing for God need to be ignited by the power of the Holy Ghost. I know it's first thing in the morning and you say, well, couldn't we have a quiet meeting? No. Stand to your feet all over this place. Let it just begin to lead us. Lift your voices and pray in the Holy Ghost.
Ruby's here. The second row, row by row, bring them. Bring them right now. Come on, worship the Lord all over this place.
Trembles at his voice. Trembles at his voice. 